Wake Up the Echoes, the official show of the Fighting Irish, presented by TireAct.com, is also brought to you by Coca-Cola, Gatorade, and Under Armour. Welcome to Wake Up the Echoes, presented by TireAct.com. I'm your host, Tony Simeone. Happy to have you back for another awesome episode as we get a chance to talk to Coach Shrewsbury after Notre Dame got that huge win on Saturday against Virginia Tech. It was just awesome to see Notre Dame get back in the win column. They shot the ball so well. Marcus Burton uh, really now putting himself in rarefied air amongst Notre Dame guards. Had 18 points, 8 assists, 6 deals. Only the third time that's ever happened in program history. So it was an awesome game to talk about with Coach Shrews. A little bit later in the show, we brought in Matt Zona, who, of course, is a fan favorite. Has been around campus for a long time now. It was great to talk to Zona and really explore how his roles evolved on this team over the last few years. It was a great conversation with him and Coach. Finally, we had a chance to catch up with Jordan Cornett. Everybody knows Jordan Cornett. He's not only just the program leader in block shots, but he's, of course, now making a name for himself in broadcasting. He did the game on the CW uh, when Notre Dame played Virginia Tech, so it was great to catch up with him just before that game. Heard all about his career and what he's going to be doing going forward, working the CW and NBC. Great conversation about his time here in South Bend as well. We also settled... Uh, that north-south debate. Well, I, maybe we didn't settle it. We actually got two different answers, one from Zona and one from Cornette. So the debate goes on and on between which is the superior dining hall between north and south. Plenty to cover on this week's episode, so let's not waste any more time. Let's talk to the head coach, Micah Shrewsbury. Okay, coach, here we are on a Monday after a win on a Saturday. Let's talk a little bit about Virginia Tech. First, congrats on the win. We talked about it a little bit on the radio after the game. You mentioned how winning is hard. So it sounded like it was a fun locker room. Just what was it like getting in the locker room after a win at home against Virginia Tech on Saturday? I think first probably just like a little bit of relief. Hmm. Uh, you know, I think for our guys especially, right? They you want them to have you want them to have that success, right? To to see success at the end of all the hard work, right? And uh, sometimes it doesn't happen. And that and that's that's one thing that uh, I always talk to him about. There's a vulnerability to winning because mm. you have to put yourself out there every single time, and there's no chance that it's like there's no guarantee that it's going to happen. Yeah, right. But I have to, I have to like do everything possible. I have to play hard as possible. I have to execute in every way, and you could still lose. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but you have to keep doing it over and over again. And, um, you know, we, we've shown that vulnerability and it hasn't come through, but they kept doing it. They kept fighting and, uh, it finally happy happened for them. So, yeah. um, it was good to see the, the smiles, um, at the end of the game and, and in the locker. What have the messages been like? I mean, I talked to you before every game, but as you said, you had lost a few in a row. It's not as if every game was a failure. You were doing a lot of good things. And I heard after the Duke game. Uh, you were pleased with the compete level. It seems like there were some positives. But as you said, when you're not seeing the results, it can be easy to start maybe doubting the process. So what are the messages like when you weren't winning that then are paid off when you win? What were you saying over the course of the last couple of weeks to keep in the right headspace? Um, our guys have still showed up with with joy. Mm. Like they they want to, I think they see themselves getting better. Even okay. though we haven't, it hasn't happened totally for us on the court. I think there's, you know, there's small things that you're seeing where each guy's growing and getting better. And uh, that for us is like the best thing. 
as, as a coaching staff, right? Because I get to see them every day, right? Sure. Some people only get to get to watch them once a week or twice a week. So you don't see those small steps. You also don't know where they started um, and now where they are. So, like, we see those moments and it's like, it, it's, you know, it's like a proud dad sometimes, right? And it's like, oh, wow, okay, things yeah. are sinking in and we're doing it. Um, so now you just got to continue to put those small things together. That little bit of growth that I'm having, that he's having, that that guy's having, now put them together to uh, for something big to happen. You mentioned after the game, you may have hurt your hip in the locker room dancing. Is that I haven't seen any footage yet. Is that is the hip okay? What was the dance like on Saturday in the locker room? You know what? I got a. I already have a bad hip, um, but these guys were. You know, when when I walked in the locker room, and I heard the music playing, hmm. and um, saw them all gathered in a circle. I figured they were probably waiting for me to come in and dance. So. Um, Logan Stevens has the video footage. Um, I did my best recreation of a very popular viral dance that's going on. Which right one? Um, I don't know if it has a name. High real sure. heels on my tippies. Not not that one. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. I am not. Fam- I'm not familiar with that. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um, I, I'm not real sure. Like, I'm, Logan's in charge. Okay. Logan's okay. in charge, so if if he wants the world to see it, um, this is my best. Maybe he could. Now this Logan's awesome, yeah. by the way, right? Everybody should know this yeah. that all of the video content, everything that is out there, like that he does, is unbelievable. Maybe he could side by side it with the video. Okay, it, he could do special things like that. I don't know. Maybe that's something that that he's. Already thinking about it, already doing. I think the message is going to get to him now. Now that it's been put into the show, uh, when you, then when you were watching Super Bowl, I assume you watched the game yesterday or the other day. You saw Usher. Was there any inspiration there from Usher? Was it something like that or no? Definitely not. Definitely. Not. Okay. The only thing Usher and I have in common is sweat. Like, like you know, he was sweating. All three of us then. Yeah. He was sweating because he was working real hard. You know, like I sweat because I get out of my car and work, walk into the building. <laughs> Let's talk about the game a little bit. Uh, Marcus Burton, we talk about it all the time, but it, we kind of have to because what he's doing, I find it so impressive. I know you do too. I think it was he's one of now just three players to have 18 points, eight assists, six steals. And what impressed me the most, and we've talked about it all year, he has to do so much for you offensively. The fact that he was able to turn the ball over or take it away six times, Padula is a great guard. and I think he won that battle. And I thought coming in, whoever won that battle probably gave their team a good chance to win. Where did that performance stack up for you? You've seen him all year. That, to me, felt like one of his better ones just because he was able to do it on both sides of the floor for 40 minutes. Yeah, he just played a, a great floor game for us. I think his leadership on offense of, you know, getting them all the ball moving, swinging it, trusting the other guys, even when he, he wasn't scoring the ball or having a great, uh, you know, he struggled a little bit early with his shots and, um, he wasn't having, you know, his field goal percentages were low, but he was still playing a great game, right? Sometimes yeah. you can do that and still be playing great. And I thought he was still playing great, even though his shot wasn't falling. You know he's going to get going at some point in time. Uh, but defensively, I thought his activity was great. Um, mm. Padula is really good, man. I have I got so much respect for he and Couture yeah. and, and Mike Young and the sets they run and everything else. and they they're a rhythm team because of all those sets and i thought 
Marcus help like slow their rhythm down just with deflections, activity, and then coming up with some of those steals. I'd love to get the uh, whiteboard out with you sometime and talk about some of the sets. Some of the sets they ran blew me away. I thought whatever you guys ran out of the locker room at halftime to kind of jumpstart the offense was great, which leads me to talking about Braden. The way he shot since the turn of the calendar is kind of remarkable. I think he's almost 50% from three since the turn of the calendar. I think he's third most in the conference in threes per game. Is he shooting the way you expected? Because, like, I, I think he's one of the best shooters in the conference already now, two-thirds of the way through the year. Yeah, he is um... – he didn't make shots early, and you saw his confidence waver a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, he works, like, extremely hard. Yeah. And he gets in the gym, and he shoots, and he shoots, and he shoots, and he shoots. And uh, you knew at some point in time that it was going to flip the right way, mm-hmm. right? And, like, sometimes as a freshman, confidence is all you need to get going. Yeah. And, um, you know, he got a little bit of that confidence going, and, you know, the guys have done a great job of, you know, Marcus has found him uh, a few times in, in transition or driving or into set plays and some other things. Um, the other guys, Keba and those guys, are Zona, are yeah. doing a great job of screening and getting him open. And, uh, you know, it just it's so much attention that now when he's running off of the screen, people's heads are turning and going that way, and yeah. it opens up things for everybody else. Yeah, it's good to see him. Like, we need those, right? Yeah. He's making some some big shots and some key shots for him, and we need them. I haven't talked to you much about coaching your son. Let me just ask you this question because we've treated him like a freshman. That's that's fair. He started at Cameron on his birthday, and you coached him, right? Have you had a chance to think about that at all? Will you maybe reflect down the road? Because, like, I think about that in a vacuum. That has to be pretty cool that you got to coach your son on his birthday at one of the most famous arenas in the entire world. Yeah, I it um it doesn't. I don't I don't know if I'm like a bad father or something. <laughs> oh no. I'm like You're coaching. I'm literally yeah, yeah, I'm like literally just coaching the game. Sure. And people remind me, you know, John Shire and I were texting after the game and he said that he he brought his son to shoot around that day. Okay. And he was like, Hey man, I think it's really cool like that you're getting to coach your son yeah. and I was like not all the time, Jeff. It's not always cool. But um, I'm sure long time down the line, when this is over, like we're going to get a chance to look back and be like, oh, man, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but in the moment, like you don't think about it. Okay. You don't think about it at all. You're just like so locked in on like what do we need to do to win? Mm-hmm. Like, man, we got to win. We got to go Duke and play well. We got to guard them. We got to score. Like that's all I'm thinking. I, I, I'm – you're in it. I am in it. Yeah. I, I did tell him happy birthday. So I Okay, so you at least remember, remember it was his birthday. <laughs> I did remember it was his birthday. I okay. told him happy birthday. And it wasn't because they tweeted it out. You knew on yeah, your own. Yeah. Okay, I got it. Got yeah. It. And it partially because uh, mom <laughs> mom wouldn't let me forget. Yeah. That's good mom. <laughs> uh okay, we got about a month left in the season. As you said, it seems like, you know, the guys are showing up every day. You've kind of I think accomplished and I we talked to Lafonzo, you hear the interview next week. Everyone that watches the program knows it's going the right way and the guys are showing up and delivering defensively. But what do you want to see in the final month? What's success going to look like for you guys here to end the regular season and then, of course, go to D.C. and try to make a run? Yeah, I think, you know, continuing each and every game to play the right way, give ourselves a chance, but keep building on what we're doing. Mm. And, 
every game, every situation we go through is all a building block for what we want to do in the future, right? But I'm not looking towards the future. Like I still have my eyes on the present okay. and this team and what we're doing, but it's a building block towards what we want to do. Um, we spend a lot more time talking about our offense and how we can be better, how we can get better. So, I, you know, I want to keep seeing progress in that way mm-hmm. um, while continuing to, to guard in the same way, right? Sometimes it, it gets a little scary um, when you when you flip it, right? We've spent more time on our offense talking about it, and then Virginia Tech comes out and starts making a bunch of shots, yeah. and it's like, and did we lose our edge uh, of what we were doing? And, and then, you know, like in the second half, I, I thought we defended better. And got back to kind of who we were, mm-hmm. um, but like, you know, it, it's cool. Like, I think Ken Palm. I'm a Ken Palm browser. It's your homepage. Think, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I think we were like 43rd defensively, mm. and we creeped inside of 300 after the performance the other day. So, like, I want to see that number keep going. Yeah. Like, keep moving, keep keep going down, and keep that defensive number where it is, and even drop it a little bit if we can. I've got one more for you. Sorry. Our guest this week is Jordan Cornette, and a great conversation with him that people will hear at the end of this show. He was at your introductory uh, press conference, and he's been around to call a couple games, and just he's been a great member of this program for a lot of years, and you've probably gotten to know him more here in the last calendar year. In getting to know him, what has he meant for this program? Just what does Jordan Cornette do for Notre Dame men's basketball when you see him on the stage that he's at? Yeah, I, I think um, we have a lot of great representatives in the basketball program, right? So him being here, right, and being able to call a couple of games is good because it, it allows him to be around our current players more, mm-hmm. right? Um, just just thinking about in the last few weeks, you know, we were we were at Pittsburgh and got the, you know, the guys got to meet Dwight Clay. Uh, Ray Martin was at Duke. Yeah. Jordan Cornette's at this game. Uh, Fonz has been around. They've been in a bunch of practices. Um, in the fall, a bunch of guys were back, a bunch of former players. Like, they're all examples of great Notre Dame men mm. that um, our guys can can kind of see and see the success that they're having in, in all different fields, yeah. right? Like, whatever it is that you want to do, whatever you want to get into, like, we have great representatives uh, from Notre Dame that are doing it mm-hmm. who also want to help. Yeah, who also want to give back, who also uh, want to be mentors to our guys. So, uh, just having those great examples like Jordan um, is is special um, for for myself to see, yeah. but for our guys to see. It's always fun to talk to him and just hear the the we pronoun like Lafonso we Jordan we uh, Dwight Clay we. It's yeah. it's powerful when you hear the guys that are still very invested in what's going on here. Let's take a quick break and let's bring in Matt Zona. Nobody protects you from mayhem like Allstate. I'm your friend's lucky jersey that's never been washed. And I'm stanking up the back seat, overpowering all of your senses, so you don't see the brake lights up ahead. And if you have cut-rate car insurance, you're going to be all out of luck. So switch to Allstate. Save $468 and get better protected from mayhem like me. National average annual savings of new auto customers surveyed in 2022 who switched to Allstate. In most states, prices vary based on how you buy. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois. 
We know you like basketball. So do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a buzzer beater. There's 23 seconds left. Here we go. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your car and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. Made it. Matt Zona, welcome to Wake Up the Echoes. Long time coming. We've been excited to have you. Uh, I want to talk about some of your coldest moments and just kind of get them on the record. I want to hear from you. I have a couple written down, but in your career here at Notre Dame, coldest moment in your career, what comes to mind? Um, I think day-to-day life in South Bend is something a little different if we're going real cold. I mean, days when it's <laughs> neg- <laughs> negative 35 wind chill, I've been braving that. Um, and we got a lot of new guys on the team this year that haven't experienced that, so... That's been cold moment. Um, but I guess as a player, coldest moments. Uh, towards the end of the season last year, I thought I found a really nice groove and uh, you know, was able to kind of bring that into this season with a little bit of energy and uh, a little bit of toughness to bring. So which which game last year? Do you like the Clemson game? Career high, right? Ten points. Or Virginia Tech, ACC. I think you hit three threes in that game. Which one? Um, I guess uh, Virginia Tech's a fun one. Um, I mean, I would like to come out of that game with a win. Sure. But uh, – I felt like it was a long time coming to get out there, and I kind of felt like I was playing a little bit free. Um, it's also it's it's a tournament game, so uh, yeah. it's a little bit more amplified. So I had a lot of fun that day. Yeah, you were on a heater that game. It was exciting, as you said. Wish it was a win, but it was a fun one to watch. A third coldest moment that was pointed out to me recently. Have you seen the new football ticket spot, like the commercial? I haven't. You have not. No. We're going to get you the footage after this. There's a, I believe shirtless Matt Zona in the football ticket spot and looks pretty cold. So That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, shout out to, you know, Coach Greg and Coach Zero for helping me uh, shake my body a little bit I've been here. Uh, when I got to school, I probably wouldn't be uh, shirtless in the student section, so shout out to those guys for helping me out. There you go. How fun is it to be at the football games as a student? Because I talk to football players. They're obviously playing. One of the cool things, I've talked to hockey players. They love being at the games. What's it like to go to a Notre Dame football game as a student? I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I love having you know my time as a Notre Dame student. I've like enjoyed the heck out of it, mm-hmm. and uh, I think a football game, you know, the the school spirit that's shown, and you know the the vibes in, inside the stadium are unmatched. Yeah. And, uh, it's a lot of fun, Coach. I know when you, I think you talked to the football team this mm-hmm. year when you were, when you got here, and you said you grew up a Notre Dame football fan. Just what what's your experience been like now being the coach and getting to go to the games as the head basketball coach? Yeah, I. I uh... I did. Like, I'm a huge college football fan. Mm-hmm. Love, like, college football. And I did grow up watching Notre Dame football. Mm-hmm. So, I was a big fan. So, like, you know, getting here and coming here. And I've been to games, right? Uh, like, I, I came a few times as, when I was younger um, with my dad. And then I was working was working at Purdue. And right. Purdue played here. And I brought Braden and Nick. We came up for the game. This one they had a couple of years ago and they had Karloftis and all those? No, this was before. Uh, before. Before, okay. This was before. Um, so now, like, for me, like, it's, like, really cool. Yeah. I, I, like, I love it. Like, every part of the pageantry of of a football Saturday. Yeah. And like, and, um, yeah, obviously I'm, I'm a little spoiled because I've gotten to, like, I got to do the walk. Uh, oh, one time this year 
um, just going down on the tunnel and being on the field before the games. And yeah. it's, it's, it's so fun for me. And then like, uh, the crowd and the atmosphere, it's, it's awesome. The perks of being the head coach. Uh, did you go to school with Angeli, Matt? I did. He was the, uh, he's two years younger than me. So he was the quarterback my senior year. They did a little weird thing. They did a two QB thing. And Steve was like the, the wildcat quarterback. <laughs> but it, after, I mean, his junior, senior year, he uh, he was unbelievable at Bergen, winning state championships and stuff. And I think he's going to be a great quarterback here. So you knew he was the real deal before he got on campus here. Definitely. Yeah. That kind of sounded like your theory we talked about one time with the two quarterbacks. You want you, you yeah, yeah. to unleash that right yeah. now? What you, t- why don't you explain to Matt Zona your idea for the two quarterbacks on the field at the same time system? So this is uh, because, you know, I, I have no I have no horse in the race, so. I can try things for football because who cares? Like, armchair quarterback. <laughs> what if you – now, you'd have to get a left-handed quarterback as well. You had a left-handed quarterback and a right-hand quarterback, and you put them both back there in wildcat, but nobody's behind the center. <laughs> if they could both run and both throw, you just snap it in the middle and, like, one of them drifts. Right? So we're, like, running right, and he's, like, throwing the pass. The other dude's going left. They could run it. They could throw it. Like, I don't know. I, I, I think it'd be mad. I, I think it'd be unbelievable. What position do you get rid of then? If you have two quarterbacks, do you, like one less receiver. Some say if you have two, you maybe have none. don't have a maybe don't put a no, a, a running back. No running back. Yeah. It's like two quarterbacks, three receivers. Quarterback. All right. Oh yeah, yeah. You get Tebow and someone else back. There? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tebow so, and Angeli. Throw a little yeah, bit there. Some. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was we we brought it up because we were talking about the Bears. Okay, because like doesn't Fields run a lot? I don't watch a lot. I do, I think so. You're just saying basically play like Fields and go get Penix. You know, have them both. That would work. The lefty you know, righty, right? Lefty right. righty, right yeah. yeah. there. <laughs> like pick good knee spin. Yeah, yeah. Oh, not bad. I think both Tebow and Justin Fields. That'd be fun. <laughs> We're onto something. We're workshopping. When when we get Coach Freeman back in here, we will absolutely run that by him. Perfect. I told him I'm going to coach when I finish. Coaching basketball, I'm gonna go coaching whatever league it is that plays in the spring. USFL, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm on the Rock. <laughs> we'll talk to the Rock about hiring me as the offensive coordinator of the of the uh, Mishawaka Rough Riders. <laughs> you might be able to get an offensive coordinator job on that on that on that team, Zona. Uh, I want to ask you about this year playing for Coach Shrews. Obviously, first year new coach, and you've been here for a while. What's the transition been like, and what's it been like to play for a new coach this year? Uh, I've said it from the start. At the end of the day, I'm, I'm just playing basketball, which is a game I love. So yeah. I don't. I try not to overcomplicate things, and you know, I try and say it's too different. But it, it has been very different. But I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun. Um, coach Shrews, you know, defensively, I feel like we've been doing a great job guarding and like you know, trying to evolve that part of my game. It's been something that you know, we've been working on. But then just offensively, the freedom of the offense is a lot of fun, and I've just been enjoying playing basketball this year a whole lot yeah what we've talked a couple times i think during the radio show most before the games coach but the value of having him and i think jr and the guys that came back tony too just that we're able to kind of help make this a notre dame culture you brought in a lot of new people and a lot of people maybe knew your system but to have guys that knew notre dame and kind of maybe guide people through hey here's how you make your way through campus even just what's the value been of having someone like matt zona on this roster help you in this first year yeah i don't i don't know if people realize how valuable that is mm-hmm. right? like um like for for me and the staff right like having pat rogers mm. that 
has been here, that understands the school, that knows the day-to-day, that knows a lot of people here. Um, Zona, for our everybody that's been new, is is like a, a lifesaver for him. <laughs> um, and, like, at the same time, it shows how good of a person he is, mm. um, like how high of a character guy that he is, that, like, some people would get really defensive when there's a bunch of new people. Right. Yeah. Because everybody's like kind of tensed up and fighting for whatever territory, I guess. I, like he has been like he opened himself up to like showing other guys like, you know, what it means to be a part of Notre Dame, mm-hmm. like how special this place is. And um, like I, I I recognize it. Our staff recognized it. And um, our our guys that are new are, are lucky to have him. What uh, other than teaching them about the the cold winters? Like, what's something you've had to teach? Maybe uh, whether it's a transfer or a, a freshman, like really help them along at Notre Dame this first year. What are some of the things you've had to do to help kind of the young guys come along? I think academically, um, just being a Notre Dame student athlete is you know different than almost anywhere else in the country, and uh, you gotta get ahead on work, uh, especially now. Like we've been traveling a ton, and right, uh, you know, there's a lot of free time on the plane or maybe in the hotel, and you know, you might want to be locked in for the game tomorrow like you got a paper due at midnight and you got to get that done so so you're telling guys hey maybe like one less 2k game let's go work on our stats midterm i don't i don't think i need to tell you okay that, but just <laughs> uh trying to maybe lead by example a little bit i got you know, if i have my work out maybe someone will see it and do it as well i had something on my mind i wanted to ask you i want to try to phrase it the right way i remember a couple years ago when you're on the team you'd come in and there's huge fanfare. You're like a fan favorite, right? Man of the people, everyone loves Zona. But you were coming in, I thought, in situations where there was like this big cheer because, oh my gosh, that Zona's coming in. This is crazy. And now you play a role where you're always making an impact. And I don't hear those same cheers. They get excited when you knock down a three. But I just wanted to know what your perception is of your role on this team and evolving and and going from someone who, hey, this is surprising. Zona's coming in. Let's all get excited just because he's on the floor to being a guy that contributes and makes three three-pointers in an ACC tournament game. like What's that evolution been like for you while you've been on campus? Uh, I think it's been something I've really cherished. Um, I love you know, Notre Dame as a whole, and you know that was a part of my career that I, I look back on fondly, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. I mean, obviously I want to be out there playing and contributing more early on, but um, just like the connections I've built with a lot of those people that were cheering me on the stands, and, you know, the student body here, um, but now, like, as I've evolved as, you know, a player and a person, uh, being able to contribute for this team is also something I've been dreaming about since I've been here. Yeah. Just being able to, you know, come in and, you know, live out that journey has been really important to me. So we've talked, Coach, about how when Marcus and JR get announced for uh, starting lineups because they're local guys, a little bit of a different cheer. I personally still think if, when Zona hits a three at home, it feels like a four. Like, they get a little bit louder. Do you sense that, too? It is, yeah. There, there's like that just a little bit of boost. I just think about the the game the other day, and uh, you know, because he's like, he's hard to find sometimes, right? You know, for a big guy, like you want to move him around. The big mm-hmm. guys like always want to like run to the paint, and they're like they don't know where Zona is, and mm-hmm. like, you know, he gets a transition three in the corner. It's like such a huge yeah. play and such a huge momentum builder that like. You know, it is like, especially here at home, it's mm-hmm. like, man, it does feel like, like, all right, we're on the, we're on, we're starting to run or we're in, like, this is about to be something big for us mm-hmm. right here. So I love it. I I love it. Like the home crowd, like you said, he's, he's a man of the people, man. Like, um, yeah, I've gotten letters from 
people, I don't even know if I've told you, like people that you guys are out to eat and um, there was like a, a kid in his family and it was his birthday and like you guys just went over and sat next to him and said hi and talked to him huh? and like the parents were like, man, that made his birthday. And like just to like have that and, and that's like, good awareness for a college kid. You right? know what it is? Like and, and and he didn't do it for anything. He just just saying hi and yeah. just being who he is. And that like that's why I keep saying, like, people ask me about this season and everything else. I'm like, I love being around these guys. Mm -hmm. So like that's every day. Like I want to be around these guys because of who they are as people and players. We talked to a lot of coaches and players. Whenever it's year one, they remember it very fondly. So, like, there will be something about this group years down the line that will probably be unique. There's a uniqueness to every group, I'm sure, but, like, there's something special about starting something. We were talking earlier before you got here, I think, about Jordan Cornette, how he's in broadcasting, and Coach was mentioned just there's so many different avenues that former players have gone. Whenever you're done playing, do you know what you want to do, Matt? Do you have any idea, or are you just – in just trying to get through college right now. Way down the line. I'm just trying to <laughs> try to graduate. Uh, I would get my second degree from here, which would be pretty cool. Yeah. But, uh, a little plug there. What's but, the second degree in? Uh, I'm doing my master's in nonprofit administration. Okay. Very cool. So, I mean, whenever I'm just trying to get through that. Yeah. And then I'll, uh, I'll figure it out. Survive in advance. It's like yeah. the tournament. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. But right now, I'm just, you know, trying to finish the season strong and finish this uh, academic year strong. Okay. Then last question, very important question before we let you go. We asked this to, I haven't asked it to some of the younger guys because they're just getting their feet wet, but you've been here a while, so I think you'll have a good answer. North or South Dining Hall? North easily. Not even, not even a debate. Okay. Explain why. I'm on your team. I'm a North guy, so why don't I you was, just tell the people why why it's North? I was a Zom Hall guy my first year here, um, and then I was a Not Hall guy, so just, you know, I live close to it, a lot easier. But then, uh, I think I got honestly, you know, me and Tony going to breakfast every morning. Got close to the dining staff there, and they're all like the best people. I think um, they like great seem, staff. Seem to love their job and just have like such a you know a happiness for life that is infectious. So when you have that coupled with the foods better there, I think um, it's easy to North Dining Hall. How about the layout too? It's very streamlined. It's South is chaotic. South is like Hogwarts a little bit too. Yeah, and people just like the way the stained glass looks. But like, you almost need a roundabout in the middle of the food to navigate the traffic north. Just straight shot. You just go right through. You get what you get. It's good. Yeah, it's all good. Team North. Yes. Good to hear it. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Appreciate you. Hey, Fighting Irish fans. We love that you're hanging out with us for this episode of Wake Up the Echoes presented by TireRack.com. TireRack.com has been revolutionizing tire buying since 1979. So you know they've got their game plan down. Ask their team of experts or help yourself using their extensive playbook. Test results, consumer reviews, and a tire decision guide make buying a new set of tires as easy as a layup. Get the right tires to tackle whatever comes next at TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. And we're back with the action. Coke Zero Sugar might be the best Coke ever? That's right, Jim. With an irresistible taste and zero sugar, Coke Zero Sugar is a must-try for any sports fan. So make sure you... Wait, Jim, I didn't mean try it right now. We're still on the air. Mm, best Coke ever? Take a taste, Jen. Really? No, not right now, Jen. we got a game to call. Hey, it's Tony Simeone, the voice of Notre Dame Athletics. Have you saved enough for retirement? Howard Bailey Financial is the official wealth management partner of Notre Dame Athletics, and they have a free resource that you can download right now. Get insight on taxes, social security, income planning, and much more by visiting 
retirewithpurpose.com slash echo. That's retirewithpurpose.com slash echo. Notre Dame Athletics was compensated for this endorsement and is not a current client of Howard Bailey. For more information, visit howardbailey.com slash disclosure. This is our Yeti coldest moment of the week segment. We have a very special guest. Jordan, be here. Jordan Cornett, welcome back to campus. It's good to be back. It's cool to be on set finally. I've watched this. The lighting is fantastic. So if my lighting is bad, I'm going to be upset. Because I've watched guys like Brian Snow on here <laughs> look attractive. And that's hard to do. I, I think Treg is back here, who is the you know guy that runs the lighting. So we'll get a full eval after we'll let you sure. see the sure. the raw footage and make sure you're like. I had to take a good. shot at Brian because he's a self proclaimed hater. Yes, I, yeah, that's I, right. He said he said he resembled the comment. And he, he had me on out my the heels. Resembled. I saw that. I, I thought he was uh, misspeaking, but I think he, he was... doubled down on his ignorance in that moment. Wow. I think he tried to spin it. So I that's think, what I thought. Yeah, I think you called him out on it. And he and tried he... to play like he meant resembled. Mm-hmm. No way, that's what he meant. Yeah, I thought he meant he resented it, but then you're right. Then I caught him, and he and he just doubled Stayed down. Stayed with it. Yeah, which I, I guess I appreciate. That's that. what a real hater would do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, coldest moment of the week. It's presented by Yeti. We're going to talk about a ton of stuff with your career, your time at Notre Dame and after, but I want to go all the way back and ask you what your coldest moment at Notre Dame as a player was, in your opinion. My coldest moment would be, well, that's a good one. I would say there's, God, I want to do two. but Okay, do two. Do two. You're gonna have to... No, I'll stay with one. I hate when people give two answers. Or okay. something. Just be definitive. Take a stance. I would say it would be 2003, round of 32. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a heck of a year that year. We were top 10 a majority of the season, beat three top 10s in a week. No team had ever done that in college basketball to that point. It's probably happened since then. But we beat Texas, Maryland, and capped it off with D. Wade's Marquette squad. I, w- I would bet that that record might still stand because you got to play three games in a week. Week, tough. yeah. And it was the, the BB&T was down in D.C., and then we came home on Big Monday, I believe, right. and played, and this was a seven-day span, and beat Marquette. So I would say that, but I'm going to go past that and say it was that same season. And we were down in Indianapolis. We mm-hmm. were um, a five seed. So we played the four seed, if I believe this is correct. The four seed was Illinois. And you beat, Mil- was it Milwaukee? We beat Milwaukee by, in the 5 12. One? By one point. Just... Missed layup from them. Right. Um, and we were the, that was the trendy pick to go with the 12 seed to beat us. It looked like people were going to be right. <laughs> we won the game. Uh, but what was so cool is we then played Brian Cook, Big Ten Player of the Year, that Illinois squad. A very good team. Uh, those guys. Young D. Brown, Darren Williams, those guys. Before they were really good. And then went to the 2005 championship, lost a really good Carolina team. But we played that team. Those guys were young. We were able to take advantage of their guards. Our team played great that year. I was a sophomore. I was lucky enough to be on the starting five for that group. Winning that game, knowing we were going to play in the second weekend, was awesome. Yeah. Because you grew up watching the NCAA tournament. To have a chance to go to the Sweet 16 was incredible. The best memory, though, was it was a bus ride back because we played in Indianapolis. So we had a great fanfare there. We had a good presence. We got to drive back to campus. I think it was a Saturday night when we came oh, back. Oh, man. So, like, it was just cool because fans – I mean, look, it, it, we celebrate all athletics here. It's awesome. But it's a football-ed school. Yeah. And so when you have moments like that where the campus rallies around your team because it's your season and you're thriving, it was really cool to, to ride back on campus, the student body. Uh, I, there's a great presence waiting for the bus to arrive back. We had a great time uh, celebrating not – irresponsibly, but yeah. celebrating the, the win and knowing we still had more to do 
But that week was a really cool week. It was all eyes on Notre Dame basketball. I can only imagine what that would be like. I was here when women's hoops won that national championship in 18, and the bus came back. And you're right. Is it it's a campus? different bus ride. I mean, look, <laughs> women's basketball is always going to be up here. And we're trying like heck to get up there. But just those the, moments are The way are, the campus rallied, though, is what was just yeah. so cool to me. So that must have been neat. I'm going to give you what I thought was your coldest moment just looking back at your career. Good luck. 11 blocks against Belmont. Nothing offensively, Tony. But how do you do that? Like, 11 blocks in a game bozzles the mind. You're still the program leader in blocks. Just take me through that game. How do you block 11 shots in a game? I played with four really bad defenders (laughs) as teammates who were getting beat off the dribble all the time. Uh, (laughs) No, in all seriousness, I knew, I think what got me on the floor was I knew what my abilities were. I knew what my strengths were. And I was a high IQ player to say, okay, lead with those. You see specialists get to the next level in most professional sports because they mastered something. Hmm. I knew for me, defensively, I could guard one through five on the floor. I knew I was always going to max out on effort there. I knew I didn't have to be the offensive guy for that team. I had limitations offensively, but we were so skilled offensively. Mm -hmm. I knew that was what was going to get me on the floor. We had scores. We had tough guys. We had rebounders. We had all that. Bring the defensive side. So I was always hunting blocks, but – I think Coach Bray would co-sign this when I was trying to block shots. wasn't taking myself out of the play. And I was always trying to keep the basketball in play. Bill Russell. on a break going the other way. Yeah. Bill Russell made that famous. So, for me, I prided myself on the defensive end to give us a lift to let our offensive side lead the way. And we won a lot of games that way. Uh, okay. So, now I have a follow-up on that mindset. Because yeah. everyone coming out of high school, I assume you scored a lot of points in high school. I mean, you're a good player. Yeah, I mean, I was our right. leading scorer. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, how do you develop that mindset? Because when everyone gets on campus – the, the totem pole's got to go a certain way. Yeah. The depth chart yeah. shakes out. But everyone was probably pretty good in their day. How did you develop that mindset? And what do you maybe tell young players who struggle to find their role when they're so used yeah. to being a certain kind of player in high school and then it has to change when you go to college? And if you go to the next level, it might have to change again. Well, I just think of the life. Right? Me and my wife always joke about this. Like Self-awareness is, is something that should be at a premium in relationships. Like You want people to be aware of, you know, can read a room, can understand who they are, maybe how they look or what the perception is. <laughs> and we always joke about that. I think that pertains to sports very much yeah. and a role on a team. To me, it's also pretty obvious. Like, if you don't accept your role, you're going to hold the team back, but you're also not going to get the time on the floor that you want. Mm. And so for me, I saw the path to being on the floor and to be out there and be actively enjoying uh, the result, whether it be win or loss. And I have a hand in that was to understand this is what coach wants me to do. I can master this, and I'll get even more opportunity. I think that's a good lesson. That's why sports in a lot of ways mirror life and business and your career and ultimately what you go into is you're going to be told at times, as long as you're working for somebody, until you become an enterprise and run your own thing, you're going to be told what place they see you at. Mm -hmm. Master that to grow into other things. And so I tried to do that at Notre Dame as best I could. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, Then I saw a video. This is from 2012. I was doing some research on it before today. And you're courtside with LaFonzo Ellis. And I I want to get into how you got into broadcasting in a second. But I saw you, you made a comment that I thought was really interesting. You said you grew up when you were watching basketball, being really interested in in the broadcast, which I find to be much more rare for guys that end up playing at a high level. I grew up playing, you know, high school basketball, and I knew pretty early on, okay, we're not going to be playing at the next level. Yeah. So I became attracted to talking about it and trying to stay involved that way. 
you were able to do that at a young age and still be competitive at a high level. So when do you first remember watching and thinking about the broadcasters and how did that develop as you were playing and ultimately getting into the profession? That's a, that's a great question, Tony. It's like I'm in inside the actor's studio here with like the research you've done, man. Or for the young kids, I guess I should say it's now Hot Ones. It's like yeah, the thing that everybody- We don't have any wings. To, yeah, like one of those, but you've done your research. And yeah, for me, I just vividly remember listening to those voices. And one that always stood out to me when I was younger was Bob Costas, his cadence, mm. how he seemed to always stick the landing in every word that he used. And I'm thinking about, you know, the NBA on NBC was one of those marquee spots he had of a myriad of them. The guy's a legend. Yeah. And I just remember, like, that's as much of a skill as watching Michael Jordan cross over John Starks. I mean, it's a level of greatness that's a differentiator in his craft. And I was always, I always admired that twofold while watching Michael Jordan on the court, but also paying attention to that. So I knew that was unusual. And, um, you know, as I kind of went through life and when I got to college, it's one of my favorite Coach Bray stories, we always laugh about it, is back to that year 2003. A lot happened, I guess, in 2003 with my basketball memories. And we played Carmelo Anthony's uh, – Carmelo Anthony led Syracuse team. Okay. We played – yeah, which you know how that goes. They won the national championship that year, <laughs> Carmelo's Carmelo. I still have those, those nightmares yeah. in the middle of the night about guarding him. Well, they played us at Notre Dame, and he had one of his games. I had to guard him, one of many guys that tried. He went for 30-plus. They won the game. It was a Saturday night. So when we lost games, which was rare at home, we didn't go out. We, you know, respectfully, like, we didn't do our job. We didn't earn the right to be out, hanging out, and gallivanting around. Yeah. So I went back to my dorm, ho-hum, you know, Sunday we're going to wake up for practice and, and go to a film session and all this stuff. And I get a call from Karen in the, in the basketball office, a legend in her own right. Yeah. Karen's like, Coach Bray wants to see you before practice. That doesn't happen. Hmm. So you, you feel like you're getting called to principal's office, and I'm thinking, well, Sure, we lost the game. Carmelo gave us buckets. It's Carmelo. <laughs> I didn't go out at night, so I can't be getting in trouble. My grades are great. Like, <laughs> what's going on? I walk in, and Coach Price holding a newspaper. And for those in the room, newspapers used to be, like, typed up, like stories of what happened the night before. And so he's holding the newspaper, South Bend Tribune up. It's probably a Tom Noy article yeah, or something like that. And uh, Tom's my guy. Shout out to Tom. And so I'm, 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 I'm looking at him like, why is he holding the newspaper? He goes, Jordan, look at this. Look at these quotes. And I'm looking, and it's all my quotes in the paper. I think I had two points and gave up like 30. He's like, if you could play the game of basketball as well as you give these post-game quotes, <laughs> you'd be an All-American. So he'd said this to me before practice. So I'm going into practice, and instead of thinking, I need to really dive into basketball, thinking, Coach is right, man. I'm really good at this quote stuff. Like, yeah. this is what I need to be doing. So I think it backfired on what he was trying to get me to do, like trying to light the fire in me. I just was always fascinated with it. Yeah. Storytelling, um, relationships, uh, how people convey to those who may be novice audience or elevated audience that really know the game, how to connect to different pockets. I always loved the challenge of it, and it always progressed as I got older. How did Lafonso, or how has Lafonso helped you or been an impactful guy? Because I see him when he's around the program still he's just an amazing presence not even just to, as a broadcaster he's just a great guy in the community he's helped a lot of people out seeing him do what he did and i remember looking at that video it's amazing that video is like over 10 years old now but you guys kind of talking about how you've made your foray into broadcasting what is his impact of just seeing him kind of go before you help you find your way in this do you industry? have anything on him has he ever done anything that you like i am unaware the guy anybody have the, anything the cleanest guy in the world <laughs> he's truly the best human being and best representative of this place uh, in sports media, too. He's mm -hmm. wrapped his arms around a lot of people, and it's black, white, male, female, younger, older. Fonz is just, he's, his spirit is everything that's good in humanity. And 
So I was just one of those people that said, yeah, that's a guy you want to know mm. because he's a good person and he'll make you feel good. And I like being attracted to people who are good people. That's yeah. who I want in my orbit. And Fonz is that on tens. And so remember the first time I was in studio at ESPN, when I finally made it, I'm there in Bristol and I'm about to do my first halftime show on ESPN. I think it was like a Zion halftime show of a Duke game. So it's like a, a lot, lot, lot of, of eyes, yeah. And Fonz had just finished his shift, and he's like, hey, man, do you want me to, like, sit, stay on set with you and, like, guide you through it? And I was like, yeah, man, that'd be awesome. But then I'm thinking, like, no, nah, I got to fly free. And I was like, no, Fonz, I think I got it. He's like, well, just know, like, I'm here. If you need advice, I'll stand out to the side. I'll sit up on set with you, whatever you want, whatever's going to make you feel most comfortable. It was a microcosm of many moments throughout life where mm -hmm. Fonz was a steadying force, uh, a steadying presence, a guy who wanted to help yeah. in any way he could. And what, what's great about Fonz is how he wants to help. He's not in front of the lights. He mm. doesn't want everybody to know he's doing it. He just wants to do it because it's it's innately who he is. Yeah. And so, you know, ironically, I joked with him, you know, I, I always wanted to follow in his footsteps. When I was doing radio with Jack, that was Fonz's gig. Right. When I look over to the left, when I was doing radio with Jack, Fonz was on ESPN. I wanted to get there. And I chuckled with him and I said, and ironically, I look at the news and you get laid off and I'm right there with you, getting laid off by ESPN. So I followed you there too, brother. But, uh, you know, he bounced back on his feet because he's one of the greats in this yeah. business at Fox. And I, I like to think I found my way with NBC and doing some really cool stuff as well. But Fonz is just the big brother in the program. That is there if you want him to be your big brother. Yeah. And I would, you know, I would tell everybody, you're missing out on one heck of a resource if you don't take advantage of it. I've been really lucky just to get to know him a little bit better this year because he's been around. I yeah. mean, again, like you said, the the layoff actually brought him around the program Which a little bit a more. a huge asset. <laughs> yeah, a huge benefit. We benefited from that uh, transpiring. I want to ask you about one other guy before we talk about what you're doing now with NBC, and that's Jack. Yeah. Uh, I'm now doing what Jack did for so many years at such a high level. I had Jack at my wedding, so he's a close friend and really a guy that I looked up to here when I was working in a different capacity. So if you're doing what Jack did, you're not picking up any tap then? No, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't pay for anything. Okay. Just like Jack, that's, yeah. That's the Jack <laughs> what, what did you learn from him? What was the experience like really cutting your teeth yeah. in broadcasting with, with someone like him? Jack is, I credit a few people. Uh, there's a small group of people for getting me my start and helping me understand this business. Coach Bray by getting me involved in radio. Um, there's a couple other people, not worth mentioning here, but other people in, in broadcasting that have helped me climb. But Jack is in that circle of four or five men or women that are pivotal in my growth. Uh, Jack was a guy I just watched, truthfully. I watched how he approached the craft. I watched how he leaned into moments. I watched how he let moments breathe. Hmm. I watched how he was with the Notre Dame community. Uh, I truly believe Jack should have his jersey up in the rafters at Notre Dame. Like That's how much I feel like he's important to Notre Dame basketball. He's part of the story, and I'm big on the story with jerseys and rafter, in the rafters. They tell you what a program is. Yeah. And I think Jack Nolan is part of Notre Dame basketball, Notre Dame athletics, this Notre Dame community, and I credit him a lot with teaching me how to learn how to do this, how to do it the right way. I had some moments where, I won't share them here because I almost lost my job for them, <laughs> certain things I said on air when I was young and I was learning. Yeah. And Jack had to tell me, like, hey, you got to bottle up some of that personality. It's not all for the airways. Right. And you got to learn as you go. So he was my conscience. Uh, he was a motivating factor, but he's a guy I learned a ton from. And I still stay in touch with him. I'm so happy he's getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, and is it the I, Indiana Sports I, Writers? I think I that's what it is, yeah, this summer. Uh, which is awesome. And yeah. I'm, I, I'm talking to him about trying to make it down there for it. I would but, like to be there. I, I If it's in Indianapolis, I didn't realize. I guess it, it's, it's it, a it Greenwood, is. Indiana or something okay. like that. But. Well. 
he deserves every accolade that comes his way. Um, I don't think he's underappreciated. I think everybody recognizes how great he was, so I think he's aptly appreciated. Yeah. Um, but he's done a lot here, and he's a big part of everything. His retirement video was awesome. I don't know if you saw it, but like Tom Rinaldi voiced it. And then, uh, to your point, I, I didn't really think about him going to the Raptors. That'd be pretty neat. He, he got, I think, an honorary monogram Which Which jacket. they've done a ton for him. Right. So it's not like I'm clamoring for, you got to do this. Yeah, I yeah. just think it, that's what he means to me. And, and I think like that's what he means to this program. And Coach Bray, because look, Coach Shrewsbury, they didn't have that relationship. Coach right. Shrewsbury came in, and, and you're the guy now. So Coach Bray, the relationship they had was pretty cool to see, too, yeah. over the years, because they kind of went through it all in those 20-plus years. They were pretty tight. We know you like football. So do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Touchdown! Bank like the Irish when you become a member of Credit Union One, the official banking partner of Notre Dame Athletics. Open a Fighting Irish checking account to get special perks and choose from one of eight exclusive Notre Dame debit card designs so you can show your pride every time you pay. Plus, with the Credit Union One branch located just steps from campus at 1140 East Howard Street and CU1's highly rated mobile app, it's never been more convenient to bank on your schedule. Find out more at creditunionthenumber1.org Irish. Federally insured by NCU. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open a nice cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Let's talk about what you're doing now. You mentioned you've moved on to NBC. Obviously, you know, Notre Dame's got a great relationship with NBC yeah. over the years, so that's exciting, I'm sure, for you to be involved with that partnership. For those that maybe haven't seen it because it's a different conference, obviously they're covering right now at the Big Ten, just what does your day-to-day look like now? What are your responsibilities? You're obviously in town this week doing a game sure. with CW, yeah. so you're doing a, a, a little bit of everything, which is exciting, at least in my eyes. For those that haven't been able to keep up since you left ESPN, just what does your week look like in college basketball season? You know, with college basketball, it's uh, it's pretty fun. You know, I've, I've gotten, without getting into too many specifics, but technically I'm still under contract for a decent amount of time with ESPN, so mm. I can't just jump and do everything I want to do, um, but... There's certain things I've been allowed to do, and a lot of it's been college basketball leaning, which has been great. Yeah. I'm in studio at least once a week with NBC. Uh, their headquarters are in Stanford in New York City. I go to the Stanford uh, studios there where Football Night in America, you watch you know, that group down there. And uh, as we share those studios with the Premier League and mm. you know a bunch of other things they do, which are really cool out of there, they cover Big Ten basketball. It's one of their new packages. So I'm doing the studio uh, either hosting or analyst work there, mainly analyst work, sometimes studio hosting. Mm-hmm. And I love it. You know, I have I grew up around Big Ten basketball, being from Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, Tom Izzo's a close friend. Chris Holtman's a close friend. Yeah. So some of these coaches I also have great relationships with. So that's very enriching and rewarding. And then I'm doing some CW games, which keep me in the Notre Dame blueprint, which was very alluring for me. I feel like this might be my third game this year. So, yeah. And that was by design, because I wanted to kind of be close to coach and be close to the program. And 
you know, help in any way I can and be an, I'd like to try to be an asset there any way I can. So that's been fun. And then doing some CBS Sports Network games as well. Okay. Uh, so that's my college basketball world. And the NBC relationship is ever growing. I'm going to start doing some golf. Uh, here in the spring, with, with you couldn't with get the NBC. waste management assignment know, this week. I, I missed that one. I'm missing the Olympics too. I got on too late. <laughs> oh, Paris for Paris. I know my wife is more upset. I think that I am about not being able to do that assignment. Uh, you can so go to she LA could come anytime, along, but not yeah, Paris, right. Man. Four years, but uh, so it's great. NBC has been yeah um, such a great, refreshing experience for me. Um, when they came in was at an, a critical time and uh, crossroads of my career, and right. it's been everything I could dream of and more. Last broadcast question I have, and then I want to ask you one hoops question about this season, is just about all the different things you do, not just the different networks, but the fact that you're calling games, yeah. you're analyzing in studio, you host. And I think you've done stuff that's, like you said, you're doing golf, you're doing things beyond basketball. Why did you want to go down that path and not be a specialist in just one sport? Why did you want to attack such a, a broad broadcasting career? I think, Tony, because it's indicative and represents who I am. Like, I was never just a basketball player. Okay. I was never just a black guy. I was never just a, a tall guy. I was never just – you're not going to box me in. Okay. You're not going to tell me what I am or what I should be based on what I've done or how I look. And so, to me, I've always been interested in everything. I've always been inquisitive. So, I've always loved all sports because I've always had an, an appreciation for all the athletes I went to school here, the fencers to to the, the lacrosse teams to the swimmers to – track cross country. I was always intrigued by how they approach their craft. So I want to learn about those sports. So I've always been interested in all sports and mm -hmm. golf has become a big part of my life as a hobby. Uh, I wish I was as good as the people I'll be covering. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not the case, no. but maybe one day. Um, so I think for me, you know, you could, we could be sitting here, Tony, I could be talking about Bravo celebrities with you. Oh, we? we could do reality segment. We'll go long. I'll okay. talk about that all day long. Yeah. Like I'm into all types of stuff that maybe you wouldn't think a guy like me is. I love country music. I hated country music a decade ago. I love it now. I just yeah. think opening yourself up to different things, you learn a lot about yourself and what you may think you don't like, you end up loving. And to your point, you mentioned the fencing program. I'm getting a chance to call the ACC Fencing Championships in a couple of weeks, which are here in South Bend. So as they should be. As they the should be, the, the champs, yeah. yeah. But it's just, like you said, I didn't know anything about fencing until a few years ago, and now I know this whole other side of sports I never appreciated the right way yeah. until a couple of years back. And it pushes you. It stretches you. It makes you uncomfortable. As, yeah. you got to be uncomfortable. And that's what you should do. I, 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 there's, a, there's a line there. There's a famous phrase. I don't know what it is. But stretching yourself, making yourself uncomfortable is, is a great thing for you. Yeah. Last one I have before we take a break is just about this team this year and being in the first year of a new era. And I think it's great you're here today because you mentioned Coach Bray and you were there really right when it was starting with yeah. him. And now you've got this new era with Coach Shrews and everybody's, of course, I think excited with what the future holds for him. Just what do you remember about being a part of the early portion of the Bray era? And what are the things maybe to keep in mind or focus on as you're a fan watching the start of a new era here in South Bend? Well, there's they're, they're very different starts. Yeah, they are. <laughs> and Coach Bray would acknowledge that he came off the heels of a lot of groundwork that Coach Doherty did right. to put him in a place with old guys, established guys. Um, and they were coming off of a really good year. And Coach inherited a lot of talent. He inherited Troy Murphy that first year. <laughs> like, Troy Murphy's one of the best to ever do it here. Yeah. And Coach Bray, to his credit, took that. Um, and took it to another level, mm -hmm. enhanced that. And so that was huge. And then he just kept it rolling. Right. And what Coach Bray did here, it's well documented how I feel about it. I think it's well documented how a lot of people feel like, yeah, there were some lean years, but what he did here was remarkable. And if you talk to anybody in the game, these coaches have a reverence for what Coach Bray's done here because it's not easy. Mm -hmm. 
And so Coach Shrewsbury coming into a position, he did not inherit the same thing. I mean, it was a it was a blank roster yeah. almost. He had to build a roster from scratch. He's brought in kids that work their tail off, that take pride in wearing the jersey. It hasn't translated to the wins that they would want, but they are guys that I feel comfortable saying they're a part of our brotherhood. They represent mm-hmm. this place well. Sure, they want to win more, yeah, but that's going to be a challenge when you put together a roster from scratch. What I do like to see is this group's still in good spirits when I'm walking away from shoot around and come over here with yep. you guys. They're a connected group. They're learning. They're growing. Uh, but beyond that, I think we got one of the best coaches in all of America as as our guy in Coach Micah Shrewsbury. And, and what really solidifies that is I remember sitting with Jack Swarbrick, who was kind enough to kind of talk to some of the alum, not to guide him in a decision. Jack is going to make Jack's decision. Right. Jack is built to do that. But in talking with us, and it was very clear, like, we weren't feeling this, and Jack was all in on it. And when we said Mike is a guy, it's like, okay, can we go get him? I mean, the price mm-hmm. was rising every day with what he was doing at Penn State. And it speaks to who he is. But when we got him, it was like, okay, we're good. I didn't know if we could get somebody after Coach Bray that could take this thing again to great heights. But <sighs> Coach Shrewsbury is definitely going to do it. I saw Mike Young today at Virginia Tech, and we spent 10 minutes talking about just how great Coach Shrewsbury is as a basketball genius, but also just as a good dude. Yeah. He's a good representation of what we want this place to be, and he's going to win a lot. Yeah. Just wait. Starting next year, truthfully. Yeah, I feel lucky that we get to talk to him 10 times a year on this show because I learn a lot about basketball just talking to him. We're going to take a quick break and then come back with our From the Irish segment. Awesome. Let's do it. The City Custom Cash Card automatically adjusts to earn you more cash back in your top eligible spend category. It does the work for you. Learn more at city.com slash custom cash. All right, it's time for our From the Irish segment presented by TireRack.com. Two questions in this segment because I forgot to ask my traditional question. So I want to start here first, and then we'll get to our listener question in a second. I always ask this for guys that went to school here. Very simple question. North or South Dining Hall? Dude, I'm a zombie. Ooh. I mean, RIP to Zom Hall, probably for the better, truth be told, uh, where it's at now. But um, I didn't I didn't venture past the north side. I mean, I was North Dining Hall, mm. South Dining Hall. I couldn't even tell you. I would never venture over there. Why would you? North Dining Hall was so good to me, probably too good to me, <laughs> where my body fat might have been a little bit different. <laughs> the stir-fry setup was, was epic over there. Mm-hmm. I was a big chocolate milk guy, and it was always flowing over there. A lot of good times had at North Dining Hall. I couldn't even tell you about South Dining Hall. Didn't go over there. Didn't need to. I love to hear that. You know, early in the year when we were maybe a little more football-centric, I was getting a lot of South. I don't know what it is. It might, I think it's probably closer to the stadium. It was in Rudy. Suckers. The the architecture is beautiful. Yeah, see, we don't need all that. No, we want the basics. Give me the good stir-fry, yeah, yeah. the it was, pasta. It was all good times. where oh, That's all we knew. Yeah. So we didn't know that Rudy was doing all the, the, the movie. was. Uh, I didn't know all that. Yeah. I just knew North Dining Hall was should have made a movie about <laughs> just a movie. About we could work us. on the dock. The, the North Dining Hall dock will come out in 2025 on Peacock. All right. Here's our actual question from a listener. It's from Brady in Brookhaven, Georgia. OK, awesome. here's what he has for you. He says, what is it about Notre Dame that makes you keep with your ongoing support and help the program? Hmm. Well, I appreciate him recognizing that for one, Brady. Um I love the place. You know, I didn't grow up, truth be told, a Notre Dame fan. Hmm. This might have, this might lose some fans if I had any when I say this, but grew up with the Fab Five. Like, I, I loved Michigan. Hmm. And so they were under restrictions when I was recruiting, so I knew that was even off the table. So it wasn't even – I was looking at it. 
So they had some issues with recruiting violations. I don't believe they could play in the tournament. Yeah. Uh, during the years, I would have been eligible to go to college and play. So I, that wasn't even on my radar. So then I was just open to looking anywhere. Virginia was in the mix, Arizona. Tom Izzo came down to Notre Dame and Michigan State, and they had just won the national championship in 2000. Uh, Tom Izzo was at my house a month after they won a national championship. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, so I, Arizona, Stanford, a lot Air, of cool stuff. Arizona got to the title in, well, they won, what, 98 and then got to an 01 yes. against Duke. So, like, were... Lute Olsen, <laughs> rest in peace, another legend. Um, so really cool places. And I was like, Notre Dame, well, I didn't grow up in Notre Dame. I, everyone in Cincinnati loved Notre Dame. I was a contrarian, so I was like, I don't like Notre Dame. <laughs> Went up for a visit, an unofficial visit. It might have been an official visit. I can't remember anymore. Um, it's 2000. Eric Crouch, Nebraska Cornhuskers were in town to play Notre Dame football. Beautiful fall day. Uh, Notre Dame lost, I believe, in overtime. Eric Crouch rolled left through a touchdown, I believe, in the end zone to beat us in overtime, right in the end zone where I was standing. As a I remember looking around at all these people who were so happy to be there, who were so passionate, even on a loss, were classy on a loss, mm. and were poured into the athletes on the field. And Beautiful campus. I'm Catholic. Saw the Basilica, walked around. Uh, a guy named Pat Holmes, who's still here, was the academic advisor. Loved him. Felt like he was going to be great. My parents loved him more. Seen, they knew he was going to be the guy who kept my butt in class. Um, it was Matt Doherty at the time, who was a great recruiter. Sure. Sold the place great. I loved it. I left, and I was like, I really like this place. And, you know, I was not a guy who loved the attention of being recruited. I didn't love having to be on the phone with all these coaches. I didn't love pouring through the letters scheduling all these trips when I found a place that made sense it's what I kind of honed in on truth be told I wanted to take at least one or two more visits but my parents were like uh this is Notre Dame yeah you like it we know what it can provide for you outside of basketball if this thing goes flat this is where you should be and I was like perfect and from that moment on I just kept being reassured and told at different points through actions through experiences this was a proper choice. Yeah. From the guys on my basketball team, you know, or guys from different class years, guys who were, played basketball years before me or after me. I'm so close with so many guys in that basketball community. There's been guys that didn't even put on a uniform with me. There were just guys who lived in Zom Hall who stood up in my wedding. I had such a great experience here, and I just want everyone to have the type of experience I had, whether you're a student athlete or just a student. Uh, I want you to experience what I experienced because it was magical. Yeah. So. Anytime I can help sell this place, anytime I can represent this place, I don't want people to miss out on the opportunity to be a part of this because it's been incredible to me from the age of 17 being recruited, fast forward 23 years, being a chubby 40-year-old. It's been great. It's been great. I love it. That's a great sell. I mean, if we could bottle up that three-minute uh, Just the pitch. chubby part because I'm not going to be like this for long. I'm on a diet. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, you, you, you Again, Treg with the lighting will make it all look good. <laughs> yeah, in, yeah. In there's a lot of pressure on it back there, T. <laughs> Oh, thanks a lot for coming by. It's great yeah, to have you. It's great to talk hoops and talk about the good old days. Also, best of luck with everything going forward. Thank I can't you. wait to watch on some golf coverage. I will be yeah. dialed into that whenever that happens. I'd like to also add, you know, I always talk too much, but, I mean, Pete, what what he's coming in here to do mm -hmm. is incredible. And he was he was a conduit and kind of, you know, saying, hey, haven't met you, Jordan, but heard a lot of great things about you back when I got laid off. And he's like, if you need me to connect you to anybody, let me know. I never met Pete before. Wow. And so your new athletic director coming in, running this place, to do something like that, I just think it was pretty incredible that he wanted to extend out to a student athlete who he didn't know from a ham sandwich and offer to help. Yeah. Uh, luckily, I didn't need it, or maybe behind the scenes he did do a lot. I don't know. 
Um, but we've now developed a relationship and we know, at least I know for certain, it's going to be a seamless transition from the great work Jack's done to Pete taking over, which makes me love the place even more. Yeah. Four for 40. That's what they say. That's it. That's really it. <laughs> All That's right. Really it. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Tony. That does it for this episode of Wake Up the Echoes presented by TireRack.com. Thanks again, as always, to head coach Micah Shrewsbury for stopping by, Matt Zona and Jordan Cornett, great guests this week as well. We'll talk to you next week when we have another very special guest lined up for Wake Up the Echoes, and we'll get a chance to recap more men's hoops. Until then, Tony Simeone saying, Wake Up the Echoes. Wake Up the Echoes, the official show of the Fighting Irish, presented by TireAct.com, is also brought to you by Coca-Cola, Gatorade, and Under Armour.